Hello, I'm Mr. Movies of the Famous. Hello, I'm Mr. Movies of the Famous Film Twitter.com, and this is the Mr. Movies Podcast. It is the 100th episode of the Mr. Movies Podcast, a podcast that has stood the test of time that I have never quit, and I certainly have never gotten the episode numbers mixed up, and actually am on probably episode 140 or something like that, (laughs) because I didn't know that you could just number things differently. I, I, I figured, because it's episode 100, you know, for a milestone, you have to do something special. And I was like, what was the most special moment in my life? It was when I discovered parody cinema. And I don't mean stuff like what we do in the shadows or this is Spinal Tap. I'm talking the good stuff. (laughs) Specifically, (laughs) two of the writers from the Scary Movie series and their, what I'm calling the worst double feature of my life, (laughs) which is epic movie. (laughs) Immediately followed up by Disaster Movie. (laughs) Epic Movie, I think, is the one that I want to start out with. But before we get into that, I thought something fun that we could do was go over what what you think the budget was for each of these movies. And then um, what you think that they pulled in internationally. So I'm going to pull open my article right now. And I'm just going to quiz you. Because I think that these numbers may shock you. Okay. Unfortunately, I did see earlier what the budget, all that they were all under a certain budget. Okay. So instead of that, what we are going to do is we are going to be talking worldwide grossing for these movies. Okay. Let's do that. So their highest grossing movie by a factor of three, um, it is pulled in $280 million um, internationally was Scary Movie which kind of set in motion these two guys' careers, Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer. After that, they took us right around like a six-year break, and then they created Date Movie, which is a movie that I walked out of. It is the only movie I have ever walked out of. I was so incredibly upset that I went and saw this movie, (laughs) because this is back when I I was a child. I was 14 years old, and I just didn't have $10. So what I'm going to ask you, what do you think Date Movie pulled in worldwide? Date Movie. See, I didn't actually see this one, so... uh... Oh, everyone say hi to Andrew. I forgot to announce you at the beginning Uh of the podcast. I'm sorry. (laughs) 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 Hello, everyone. All right, off to a good start here. So I'm gonna say this could have pulled in like 80 million. You are pretty spot on. This pulled oh. in almost 85 million dollars worldwide. Uh, following up is Epic Movie, which pulled in the s- roughly the same dollar amount. Which then they just kept giving these guys <laughs> movies because their movies were profiting like 400 percent given their budgets. 
I want you to guess the name of the movie that was the thing that finally did them in. The Poetic Justice here is the name of the movie. Yes. Disaster movie. Disaster movie is what finally made people stop caring. (laughs) They had a couple movies that came after this. One was called Vampires Suck. Uh, One was called The Starving Games. And then their final blow uh, before they did one called Superfast was called Best Night Ever, which didn't even pull in $300,000. Yeah, the last ones had pretty limited theatrical releases due to the disaster that was Disaster movie. They didn't even have chances at this point. The Rotten Tomato scores, which I think give way too much weight, uh, have never been double digits. A scary movie got about 50%. Everything else has been under 10%. <laughs> I mean this with my entire heart. Disaster movie is the worst movie I have ever seen. I can't even do irony. I can't even do a joke saying, like, this movie kicked ass. Disaster movie is the worst movie I have ever seen. It's very bad. Like, epic movie, I I sat through, and I was mostly just bored. Yeah. Disaster movie, I was more invested in, but for negative reasons. Like, epic movie just dragged on. Disaster movie, I was I, I felt anger. I felt disgust. <laughs> it's virulently bad. Yeah, so... That one certainly, at least I was more invested as a viewer, but in a bad way. It made me question the very concept of movies and the (laughs) willingness to continue watching things that were made on film. It was quite depressing. Yeah, it... If Epic Movie and Disaster Movie were a boxer, on the left hook, you would have one of the most racist movies I've ever seen. And then on the right hook, which would be Disaster Movie, probably the most misogynist movie I've ever watched. (laughs) Holy shit. Right, so... (laughs) It is unreal. We had to... So I inflicted this upon three other people. I thought it would be very funny to do a double feature back-to-back, which is probably why uh, I have a lot more to say about Epic Movie than I do Disaster Movie. By the time we got to Disaster Movie, we were pausing like every three minutes and just everybody would take a collective sigh (laughs) and then we would start (laughs) playing it again (laughs) holy shit man i thought this would be funny and then it (laughs) it just made me upset (laughs) yeah there were a lot of these kind of movies around this time really the the bush era just inspired so many parodies that weren't really anything beyond references and I think this sort of came on the heels of the success of things like Family Guy and stuff like that. Like, these yeah. movies came out, I think I was 15. I loved Family Guy. I think it was my favorite show. Oh, except, well, except House MD. But that doesn't really map on as well to what the point I'm making. Uh, <laughs> but even I could see how bad all of these movies were. And the knockoff knockoffs. So, you know, superhero movie which is an incredible movie featuring Stephen Hawking smoking a blunt at the end. That's the only thing I remember from it. Damn, I fucking love science. (laughs) Uh, Another gay movie and another gay sequel, Gays Gone Wild. I have never seen those. I found out about them today while Googling things for this. And my personal favorite title, but the only one, but I think they came up with the title and then just wrote, tried to figure out the rest. 
the 41 year old virgin who knocked up Sarah Marshall and felt super bad about it. <laughs> Pretty good, but probably yeah. the movie sucks. And the yeah, title's uh, the only good joke. The backbone of these movies is I know that reference. And that title is a perfect summation of what these feel like. And I mean this sincerely. I would rather watch all 86 episodes of Epic Rap Battles of History again than do another one of these movies. If you had a game called, you know, each time you see a reference drink, you would be dead. You wouldn't make it past 10 minutes. Yeah. Like Paris Hilton is walking out of a store and someone falls on her and she goes, that's hot. And then she gets smashed, and then the person holds it, and she's pointing at it like the like the Cracker Jacks logo, and like that's the whole movie. <laughs> it's just <laughs> strung along like that. And they got twenty million dollars to make this, and I don't even know what they spent it on. <laughs> I, I don't either. That's that's the crazy part is uh, like I'm I'm not trying to do like a virtue signaling thing. Just imagine how long you could run a homeless shelter with 20 million (laughs) dollars and instead we got this which i want to remind you profited 400 percent let's talk about the semblance of the plot of these movies shall we yes yes epic movie is probably the better one to start with in my opinion because the plot exists (laughs) yep that's a good way of putting it You, you could trace it there's a narrative that you could follow yeah it is a parody on the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory reboot with Johnny Depp, where they made him kind of like a ghoulish type uh, foppish dandy. And the movie took five, was it four people or five people from like different odd four. backgrounds and, oh, it was just four. They took them from different odd backgrounds, each of them being, <laughs> if not insanely racist, <laughs> kind of racist and did the normal thing of like oh if you want to inherit the factory you know be here and it turns out that 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 was just a backdrop to get them in the wardrobe from the chronicles of narnia where they then met the people from harry potter and learned to do spells so they could fight the white bitch i think that's pretty good summary that's it right Pretty good summary. (laughs) We'll go to a little more detail here, which, by which I mean, basically, I'm going to tell you what references happened. That's kind of the way to outline the plot of this movie. We start with Lucy, who's the stereotypical ditzy girl. That starts out as the Da Vinci Code. This was very popular at the time. Okay, all of these things were very popular at the time. That that's the other thing. Yeah. So you are already surrounded by these references constantly because this was so, the sort of humor of the late 2000s because it was very early internet stuff, and that was what was funny at the time. It wasn't a very evolved thing. It was just like, ha references to other things. Remember Saddam Hussein? Of course, of course, you do. It was happening right then. So yeah. I actually found this slightly more tolerable to watch than I did in the theaters because the references were 15 years removed, so at least I wasn't surrounded by them. Yeah. But the movie is still basically all references, and this was at the peak of that, and it was at the peak of doing it badly. So we start out with the Da Vinci Code, and she finds a Willy Wonka ticket after her father is murdered, and there's a dance scene involved. There's a dance scene involved in pretty much all of these. 
they're all orphans too. That's a part of it for some reason. Then we have Cal Penn. Yeah, literally from Harold and Kumar. Like you were too good to be doing this. Uh, shout out to Cal Penn for being on House, uh, which was one of the biggest shows in the world at the time, quitting to go to the Obama White House. That's right. Uh, causing his character to commit suicide on the show, which honestly, I was a, I'm a huge fan of the show, uh, handled it pretty well, really. I actually Did thought, they really? Yeah, I thought it was good. But uh, his career never recovered after that. So shout out to Calpad for doing what he believed in. Did not pay off. And then that's a whole Nacho Libre parody where a child beats him up and like farts on him and things like that. A lot of farting too. Do you remember? I don't. I don't mean to butt in really quick. Uh, uh, one of the weirdest things about this movie is like the product placement. That like yes. In the in the Nacho Libre one, there's a guy who's supposed to be playing Nacho Libre. And he opens up a bag of Doritos and he puts them in his hands and he crushes them and goes, Doritos. Cheese flavored Doritos are delicious. And then they hard cut to the next scene. <laughs> uh, the cuts, all of the cuts in this movie are super jarring. Like, it, it yeah. feels like you're under assault. It feels like you have, like, 90 tabs of You're the Man Now, Dog. <laughs> so it's open, and you're just kind of going yes. to the next one. Yes. If you remember that website, it's that website made into a movie, but somehow worse. Yes. <laughs> oh, and uh, his name is Eduardo. Or Edward, sorry. Yes. Just Edward. The third person, the reference is to snakes on a plane. We may be too far removed for people to know what this is at this point, but this was a meme where Sam Jackson appeared in a movie called Snakes on a Plane, and I have actually, I have watched the movie. It's just bad. It's not even, like, bad in a funny way. It's just bad. Yeah. The trailer was kind of built on... I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. And that was just memed into the ground for years on end. And this movie was trying to make fun of that, but they made fun of it by just doing the thing that they were making fun of. So it wasn't really funny. So that that's how you do comedy. Yeah. It's... Is is you, you, you just do the thing and then people go, oh, I know that. Yeah. And then this is where Paris Hilton gets involved. She says, I'm, I'm so hot. And then... She gets crushed and she finds the golden ticket. Susie does. Yes, it was in her in her bag, mm-hmm. and that 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 is that is the the level of comedy that we're dealing with is somebody going, "That's hot," and then dying. Uh, also, if if a joke isn't going to land, what they do is they fart. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that throughout this movie. <laughs> yep, is like 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 if a joke was it if it didn't kill it in the writers' room, they would be like. Oh my my pussy is full of funions <laughs> and then they would just fart and then it would smash cut to like Harry Potter. <laughs> See the thing is that's what you just said is funnier than anything that actually happens in the movies. <laughs> it's like that but not funny. 
And then um, the last one being the uh, guy from X-Men High School. Yeah, Peter. Peter, uh, if I remember right, his last name is Perverto. We'll get to that a little bit later. There's a <laughs> twist. This movie's <laughs> writing is very intricate. He's Peter. He's he's like a ripoff of Angel from X-Men. Uh, he doesn't grow angel wings. He grows chicken wings because he's a coward. Uh, and then he's, yeah. he's bullied by Wolverine and the other jock X-Men. And I don't actually... He gets kicked out of school or something. Or I don't, I don't He finds the ticket somehow. It's Magneto, like, calls him a pussy. And yeah. then as he's running away, opens up a locker door. That's it. Which, like, gives him, like... like a coup contra coup concussion where you hit your head and then you hit the ground behind you. Yeah. And get that one. <laughs> yeah, Magneto just bullying his students. Yeah, and then we have Johnny Depp Willy Wonka. Yes, who is a, uh, not necessarily a pop and locker, but like, you, you know the person who holds the stick in the marching band? Kind of dances like one of those? Yeah. I, I, forget- I don't know what those are called. I'm blanking on the name. Well researched. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't really write down any of the plot because I was like the most fascinating thing about this this movie is the fact that the references were like literally the only thing that the people talked about at the time. Like none of these are like, oh, you had to have read the Da Vinci Code to understand that. It's like no, you just had to have seen the trailer on TV. You know, yeah. and it's. Like, like one of the weirder ones, like whenever they get to Gnarnia and then they do like an MTV Cribs insert, <laughs> that that's that. And it was like, we have to make this movie fit an hour and 30 minutes, which they don't do. Also, <laughs> even with 15 minute credits, they just don't do. <laughs> no, every scene in this movie is too long. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you can do that. Have a movie that can't even meet a runtime of a tight 90 and still feel too long. Yeah, it's incredible. So Willy Wonka takes them in and they see the wondrous fields and the brown flowing river. Which I, I wonder what comedy you could do with brown. You know, and then Calpen. Uh, sorry, Edward. I'm going to probably just keep calling him Cal Penn. Just call him Cal Penn. <laughs> d- d- do some respect to the man's career. <laughs> uh, runs over and starts shoveling it in his mouth and talking about how good it is. And then you see hunks of corn in it. And then, you know, the joke is obvious from there. He's eating out of a sewer line. And then they're all murdered to be gro- to be put into the candy. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because um, th- there is... It's it's pretty nuts where it goes from like slapstick humor and it just gets more and more morbid <laughs> as the things happen to people. So like the first one is that a guy, they're making a chocolate bar with nuts in it and they hit his balls with a hammer and his nuts pop out. And then they point at a sign that says with nuts and they hold on it. So you know the joke is that his nuts are in the chocolate now. A girl gets her still beating heart ripped out. A uh, guy gets his tooth ripped out, and then a girl straight up gets decapitated. <laughs> and this is all set to Fergalicious. That's right. They're all getting brutally, violently murdered to Fergalicious, which was everywhere at the time. And that's what comedy is. I, I learned that when I got my degree. Yeah, it's take the most popular song at the time and be sure to point at the punchline so everybody in the audience knows 
what you're talking about. Well, how else will they? Uh, that, but then they're all fine. So then they all find the wardrobe from yeah. the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. They all end up wandering in. Uh, the, the, sorry, the uh, ditzy one going first. I've already forgotten her name. It, it's really hard to get these characters' names in your head because they're just... It doesn't matter. <laughs> just because they're this just... movie just does... It's totally fine. So Lucy goes in first and lick, licks a frozen uh, street lamp in Narnia. Oh, it's Narnia yeah. or Gnarnia, as you said. Gnarnia with a silent G. And the tagline, the punchline for it is the non-sunshine state. That's the joke on the sign. Yeah, that's just... How long do they spend on that one? It's like a 10-second hold. Yeah. <laughs> So she licks the frozen pole, and uh, what's the guy's name? The goat man comes up. Mr. Tumnus. Mr. Tom. I, Mr. I think they just say Mr. Thomas. I'm not even really sure. Yeah, because the the whole joke is that they're skirting around IP law. Yeah. So they had to call it Narnia with a silent G, as in gnarly. Yeah. Or I forget what the other one was, and it's like, damn, they're really driving home the point that. Uh, that they made Narnia strip of the G. They felt so smart. <laughs> yeah, they're really just padding time. But yeah, and then he's yep. like always. Uh, the, so then the goat like leads her to his house to help her out, and he's like always hitting her. Like I re- in my notes like six times. It's like why is he hitting her? Like the, people are always just like punching each other for no reason in this movie. Constantly, that- there's. Yeah, we'll see it a lot more in the next movie, but uh. The slapstick comedy of this movie quickly just becomes violence against women. Yeah, <laughs> disaster movie where they're like, the funny part is women getting hit, and it's like, no, 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 I do not think that you took the right lesson. <laughs> the yeah. face you're making right now. <laughs> These movies are just really products of their time in the worst possible sense. So we get our cribs parody here. Where even if you hadn't really watched Cribs, and I, I hadn't really, you know, you know what oh, it I is. Did. Oh yeah, yeah. This the, every classic racist joke that you can imagine that somebody would have in a pimped out hip hop style apartment. Like a uh, he has like a bunch of women in bikinis. He has a uh, what was the the champagne he had in his Cristal. fridge? Yeah, he has like Cristal in there, and it's just loaded to the brim. Mm-hmm. It's P- just, fuck P- me. P. Diddy is there. Yeah, P. Diddy's a goat. Yeah, he's just there for some reason. Um, they, they have him being Scarface. He's got plasma screen TVs all over his house. Admittedly, I laughed at the toilet one. That was kind of funny. All right, and then she gets kicked out of the house, sent a Mission Impossible thing. There's a reference here where a, the we're introduced to the villain of the story who is Jennifer Coolidge of all people mm-hmm. who is the white bitch <laughs> and every joke around her is really interesting and in like how dated it is my favorite being that she's on her macbook which at the time that was like the this is like when coffee shop hipsters started being kind of like the punchline so she has a macbook and she has myspace on it and they're going through her top friends, and her number one top friend is Saddam Hussein. <laughs> <laughs> this is the level that we're at. Yeah. <laughs> as far as the quality of the writing goes. Yeah. And 
so Mr. Thomas sends her on a quest because the white bitch has been doing wiretaps, denying people gay marriage, and giving no hurricane assistance. And uh, Kanye Goat says that she does not care about black people. This is back when, this is a reference to in the aftermath of Katrina, Kanye West saying George Bush doesn't care about black people, which was very cool at the time. And has only only said stuff that's exactly like that for the rest of his career. Yeah, I, that's, close the book there. Do not Google anything after that. So then the other three follow her in and Kumar meets the queen and immediately falls in love with her. Uh, I just realized I called him Kumar. I'm, just, I'm sorry, one more name in there because like, <laughs> because like 15 minutes after this, he goes to White Castle and they kind of like really rub it in your face. And at one point he's referred to as Kumar in the movie just so you really know. Yeah. So, so just in case you guys were wondering what the reference was here, this yep. is Kumar from Harold and Kumar. <laughs> and it's revealed that they're all siblings, actually, and their last name is Pervertsky. Just, just whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Edward Kalpen Kumar. Edward Kalpen Kumar. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's his birth name. Uh, he's captured by the white bitch who is making WMDs to drop into the ocean and cause an earthquake, kill billions, and raise a continent uh, that she can rule over. And it's pointed out in the story that this sounds like the plot of Superman Returns, because it is the plot of Superman Returns, which had just come out. <laughs> yeah, rather than alluding to that, they're just like, they just say the they're words. stealing it. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds like the plot of Superman Returns. Like, not even, just full on, not even oblique references to it, not even trying to be a little clever. Oh, this is pain. I, like, my brain is just replay. Like, there's a projector <laughs> in my frontal lobe. Um, after this, uh, Edward, Edward Kalpen uh, Kumar gets sent off with pirates, right? He gets broken out of jail by pirates. How does he get there? Uh, well, one thing happens first, and that's that they go to Hogwarts to learn how to fight the white bitch. That's right. I forgot about the Harry Potter being like 70 years old. Yeah, really inexplicable bit inside the movie because Harry, Ron, and Hermione are all like 60 for some reason. But that doesn't really yeah. make any sense because all the actors were the ages that the characters were while they were filming those movies. Yeah. And they didn't look old because they were the right age. I don't, I didn't understand that at all. It's like, it's like a misplaced high school drama joke. Yeah, it's, it's weird because like Harry Potter looks like a Harlequin doll who is 70 years old. Um, Hermione's just like white trash and pregnant and smoking at the same time, mm. which is the joke. And then Ron is just a guy from Boston. <laughs> yeah, and Harry sounds a little bit like Morty from Rick and Morty. And that's another yes, layer he does. Of I'm really glad that you picked that up. <laughs> so after this, uh, Cal Penn is rescued by Johnny Depp, or, well, Captain no. Jack Sparrow. No. Oh, sorry. Captain that... Jack Swallows. Oh, I did the copyright infringement. Yes. Yeah. And now this episode can air. <laughs> I hope you're happy. <laughs> well, it was a good run while it lasted. So Jack Swallows comes in to save uh, 
Edward Calpen from, I don't know, it's unclear what he's actually going to be subjected to. He's saved, taken out to a pirate ship where they do a really terrible rap parody video. They don't rhyme anything. They're offbeat the entire time. And the end punchline is word to the Kraken. And a camera zooms in on a guy's butt crack and just hangs there for like 10 seconds. You can tell that they wrote this and didn't have a beat secured and then just picked one and then just tried to squash and stretch it until the metering matched. And Flava Flav is there. Yeah, and Flava Flav is there. Comparing this to Muppets Treasure Island made me feel like I had a brain bleed because my mind has now like morphed the two together. <laughs> I gotta start doing good movies on this show again, man. <laughs> oh. oh, and they also keep... But what's very distracting to me and probably a very limited number of other people is that the gunshot sound they keep editing in is from the video game Shadow the Hedgehog, the one where they give uh, the hedgehog a gun. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, it's the same one. It, a lot of the sounds in movies and video games are the same because they all pick from the common library of sounds. Yes! <laughs> you just got pumped! Yeah, he did it! He did it! Come here! Save the camera! Save the camera! Come on, say it right there! Uh, uh, I, say it! I just got punked. Yeah, Schwam! Yeah! We just punked Edward! Schwam! Schwam! Yeah! That was awesome! Yeah! Yes. Yeah, the pirate ship is is a trap, and and they're thrown and he's thrown back in jail. So Aslo, the Aslan of of this world, who's just a guy like a guy with really hairy legs, basically, they have to go rescue him because they are the four prophesized orphans that will defeat the queen, the, uh, the white bitch, and restore uh, Narnia or whatever. It's... I I really want to point out this is the same movie that we're talking about. We haven't blended both movies into this. No, no, this is one distinct, separate movie from Disaster Movie. Also, please do know that Aslan was Fred Willard. Now belated Fred, Fred Willard. Yes. And they, they had to have just paid them a lot of money for this. Something like, like there's that. There's no reason for Cal Penn to be in this, right? No, he was, yeah. He was on top of the world at this point. But And I mean, he's a good actor. Yeah, he's a good actor. Uh, so they go back in. There's a fight scene between Aslo and the Da Vinci Code guy. Um, in one of the few jokes I actually like in the movie... When they cut to them fighting, uh, it's two stunt. It's very clearly two stunt devils who are Asian men. <laughs> Classic gag. I, I actually do. I that was one of the few moments that got a real laugh out of me. Yeah, it, you know, it's making a point. You know about yeah, you know, how you know stunt devils are often Asian, but we don't really give them the credit they deserve. You know, it's it was a refreshing breath of fresh air. And then because right after that comes one of the worst scenes in the movie where uh, they're all getting ready to fight the battle and win the day. And they're all partying the night before. And they essentially do that family guy barf joke where she, one of the girls vomits on everybody. Takes a beer bong and vomits her body weight. And what I learned is a funny thing here is that you saw the cinematic version and I saw the unrated version. Uh, the unrated version, the scene is even longer. Is it right? Please. <laughs> I, you have my full attention. I, But it's basically just the same thing, though. It's just more vomiting. 
<laughs> so it literally just is the Ipecac uh, Family Guy bit. Yeah, it just goes really longer than that. It doesn't add anything different to it. <laughs> That's so funny. That's how they stretched it to a tight night. <laughs> <laughs> Never say film's dead, baby. <laughs> the one other difference I can think of right now is that uh, early on in the movie, Lucy opens the wardrobe and a naked woman runs out. Well, she's naked in the unrated war- version. She's wearing a bikini. Is she in really? The, in the theatrical one, yeah. That's it. Anyway, there's a new set. There's a sex scene right after that. Um, and yeah, if this all sounds very jarring, it is. It's jarring watching it, too. The cuts are just basically like we're describing them they happen suddenly and with no explanation at all yeah um so he goes uh, you know mystique is now going after peter because you know now he's the savior gonna be the king of narnia and everything and you know he uses uh, some some racist terms to uh describe her body yeah that, that whole scene was very uncomfortable also she says that him wanting a big booty was kinky and i thought that was really strange and funny yeah <laughs> yeah she's like ooh, kinky it's like, like sure what yeah. <laughs> In fairness, though, these times were horrible for, like, women's body images in media. Everybody was rail thin. If you go back and watch, like, modeling videos during this time, you'll see... I was, like, watching a Project Runway video a while back, and it was just, like, this rail thin woman and they're all discussing, like, oh, maybe she could be a plus size model, and I'm just like, I'm I'm going I'm going nuts! So... These these times were particularly bad for that, so that's kind of reflected in that bit. You know, that kind of policing a woman's body. And, you know... Yeah, it's a very good litmus test for just, like, what was accepted at the time. Because if, if this is the parody, you, you it's a hop, skip, and a step from, like, general consensus, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just reflecting back at you. Um, so then we get to the big fight, and it's bad? I mean... Only f- only they those four show up to fight against the armies of the white bitch. Because in the unrated version, the girl throws up on every single person in the army. In mine, she threw up on one, and then nobody showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She becomes Davy Jones and starts DJing with her face tentacles. Yeah. Nice little satire on the famous organ CGI scene. In uh, its two... Bubba Sparks's Miss New Booty. Big song at the time. Yep. Big yeah. <laughs> Good reference. It was a big song. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that was a song people heard. That's that's important yeah. in comedy. Yeah, it was, it was on radios. Yeah. <laughs> good reference. Um, and, then, and then she takes off the octopus, throws it at Johnny Depp, or Jack Swallows, you know, and he crashes. Everything seems lost. And then Peter finds the remote from Click. The Adam Sandler 2006 comedy. Now, have you seen Click? I have seen Click. Okay. And I, I'm in camp. Uh, Click is poo-poo <laughs> ass. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the biggest. Uh, I'm, I'm not the target audience for Adam Sandler getting serious. Well, that's the thing about Click is that it's pe- people say it's really good because it's emotional. And that's right, yeah. And it's not. It's well, it is. But basically, the first I saw Click when it came out in theaters. I was with part of my family who's a big Adam Sandler fan, so I saw it. And like the first 
hour and 20 minutes is like standard Adam Sandler fare of like him farting in people's faces with time stopped and stuff like that. And then the last 20 minutes, it's just like an entirely different heart, like gut wrenching moment pasted in, but it's completely unearned. It's just, yeah. it's, it's like, it be, it's, I'm not saying it isn't sad. It's like well shot. The emotional beats hit, but it's completely separate from the rest of the movie. The characterization of the actions aren't real. Yeah. Anyway. That's Adam Sandler getting serious. It's like, it's not the click. Cause people think click is a good movie. What they mean is I like the last 20 minutes of click enough to no- ignore the first part or yeah. <laughs> that's how I feel about it. Anyway, it's pretty well said, but he finds the remote and yeah, he hits the heel injuries button, which we all know is the standard button on my remote. Uh, <laughs> they start playing. Everybody was Kung Fu fighting, which while not, yeah. well, not, you know, obviously not from this time got real popular around this again because I don't know. The internet was random at the time. XD. Yeah, I yeah I, I think this was uh, to Penguin of Doom type uh, song choice. Yeah. You know, this is a real holds up spork moment. <laughs> the also uh, referenced in Disaster Movie, which would come out a year after this. Yeah. There were commercials for TiVo. Do you remember the one where uh, th- there's like a backyard barbecue? And these two guys are talking, and they... Because TiVo, the icon was like... They were antennas that kind of look like Shrek's ears. And these two guys are talking. He's like, oh, I'm glad that you got TiVo. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got the basic package. Really liking it. And this one guy comes up, and his ears are really big. And they're like, oh, here comes Big Tom. And he's like, I got the whole package. <laughs> and that, that, was, that was TiVo. You were able to record live TV and... Yeah, I'm sure you could trace uh, the TiVo phenomena and um, streaming killing movie theaters. There's probably a straight line in there somewhere. I just, I'm just thinking about the mystique scene again, and I can't have any <laughs> other thoughts right now. <laughs> She's defeated by deleting her on TiVo. Then she rises up again and then is run over by Jack Swallows. Then everyone's celebrating. You can see different celebrants in the crowd, like Chewbacca, James Bond. Uh, Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights. Yes, the Talladega Nights reference. That yeah. I. D- when's the last time anybody thought about Talladega Nights? I'm gonna be honest with you. I watched it like four months ago. Did you? Why? Because I like. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you do. <laughs> yes. I. That is one of my guilty pleasures. I. I saw that in theaters when I was like 12, and it occupies a special place in my mind. I gave you a big why because I was raised a NASCAR guy. So like Talladega Nights was it was like a sacred text. It got so much right. <laughs> yeah, I'm family who are NASCAR people. And then the movie concludes, I think, two different ways here, or I'm not entirely sure. They go, they go back and they're all pissing in the snow. Yeah, and that there was like a whole visual comedy gag where he's like, "I'm writing my name." Then he's like, "I'm doing Sudoku," and he like has like a huge grid of Sudoku that he's solving. But yeah, the, the pissing in the snow scene is really funny because we, we, we get a cultural touchstone that was dated by, I think, 10 years by this point. Oh, yeah. Which is Cal Penn's character, like, clearly has Alzheimer's by this point. And after he pees in the snow, he looks into the camera and says, Chuck Norris rules. Yeah, this is... And that's the joke. Yeah, Chuck Norris references were... 
huge at the time. It's weird. It was the sort of random nature of the internet because they didn't start out as uh, Chuck Norris jokes. I they started out as with a different celebrity. I want to say it was Burt Reynolds, but I'm not 100% sure. But Chuck Norris just is the one that caught on, I guess because the name sounds funny. You got that K sound yeah, in and, there. And also he was just like a, just he just as an actor was a joke at that point. Yeah. You know, it's just, just tack it onto somebody who's clearly overcompensating his masculinity. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And they walk back in through the through the wardrobe they're all young again and then depending on which version you watch either borat says very something like very nice yep that's what i heard uh or they're all run over by the um jack swallows <laughs> yep <laughs> it's the other version <laughs> which, but what was weird is i ended up watching a version that still had the borat ending but i distinctly remember the other one yeah the bloopers at the end were funnier than the actual movie i completely agree uh, um, there is a 15 minute post credit scene. It literally goes 15 minutes long. Um, my favorite was the uh, uh, V from V for Vendetta uh, dancing while holding a baby and while Miss New Booty plays, he spikes the baby into the <laughs> ground and does a touchdown dance. That was pretty good. It's yeah. it's better than the movie, and that's that's what what you get to have as our review of what the movie was actually like. Hang on a bit. <sighs> There we go. All right, let's have a look, see. Everyone's on Facebook. It says that the end of the world will be August 29th, 2008. So next up is a, so these two movies came out in pretty rapid succession. Um, at the time, satire was kind of like the big thing. We were in the malaise of the millennium turning, and it turns out life wasn't any better just because the date started with a two instead of a one. So people were trying their hardest to speak truth to power. So we ended up with a lot of stuff like The Daily Show and The Colbert Report, and all these movies were just attempting to be like the smart guys take on the way things really were and these movies i think they knew how stupid they were like i i really don't think that they were like we're making something that only smart people will enjoy oh, God, they knew no. that they're yeah yeah they, they knew that this was for like 13 year old boys but there's something about disaster movie that feels sinisterly evil it feels like it was made in a lab to hurt me is an assault on the viewer so there's a couple things I want to talk about before we kind of talk the movie. Uh, this is one of the only movies that Kim Kardashian is in. And she does not play a little character role where she's just like, I'm Kim Kardashian and I'm, you know, uh, tagline. She is in, I think, half of this movie as a major character. Uh, beyond that, what everything an epic movie they did in terms of racism this movie does in terms of horror like horrific misogyny yeah and transphobia like i understand this is supposed to be a funny episode but like disaster movie is like heinous like, like it should be talked about like like they did a crime this movie felt like crime yeah i, I think i think it is kind of important to outline you know the bad ways parody can go here 
because a lot of this is just you know people talk probably too much about the punching up and punching down thing in comedy but this is definitely just punching as hard as you can down this is like shooting down yeah it's just i'll i'll attempt the plot of this one but the plot of this one is much weaker it's much harder to describe because more than the last one this is just moving from set to set and and believe it or not it's a worse movie than epic movie yeah i i was in fairness less bored but more disgusted yeah so a couple things uh in this that uh differ just showing like how quickly things can change in a year instead of myspace jokes they become facebook jokes and the joke being everybody's on facebook now uh and the other thing that i completely forgot about was like how dominant mtv was as like a cultural thing in the mid 2000s and how like now i i i don't know like Everything from, like, the MTV Cribs bits to, like, in this, like, my, they call it Super Duper Sweet 16 to get around the, you know, satire laws. Mm-hmm. But, like, MTV's Super Sweet 16 was an extremely popular show. Oh, yeah. And it was just, I don't know, it was, it was just being hit with cold water just over and over being like, oh, fuck, I've seen every episode of <laughs> MTV Cribs. Oh, my God. <laughs> and now it's just that Rob Deerdeck uh, ridiculousness show. <laughs> <laughs> but like before like you had to watch MTV or you wouldn't know what the fuck anybody was talking about. Yeah, I I went the ladder out, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't a big sucker free Sundays guy? Uh, I I don't I don't even know what that is. I'll be honest with you. Oh, it's a bunch of really cool rap videos. Uh, yeah. No, I, I chose to be a social outcast instead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we start in 10,001 BC. This is a reference to 10,000 BC, a movie I forgot existed until this movie. I completely forgot 10,000 BC existed. <laughs> yeah. So a caveman's running through a thing and uh, gets begins fighting Wolf, who was a bodybuilder who was famous, apparently. I had to look that up. I, wasn't he an American warrior guy? I, maybe. I think that's what he was. Okay. Another show that I don't think anybody knows anymore (laughs) where you would hit each other with q-tips until one of you fell into the water yeah like gladiators i think was the name Yeah, american gladiators or something yeah well okay okay hang on i found it on wikipedia gladiators was the british one and he was on that and the spinoff was american gladiators gotcha i did not know there was a british one yeah sort of like a the office situation so he finds he fights wolf defeats him and then amy winehouse shows up People just showing up is a very key part of these movies. Yep. So, and it's revealed to him that the world will end October 29th, 2008. For fun, I checked to see if anything interesting happened on that day. That was the day John McCain named Sarah Palin as vice presidential candidate. So, (laughs) there you go. Write your own joke from there. Uh, And then we're transported to the present where there's a guy. uh, I'm blanking on the main character's name. That's that's a good thing. That's a good thing for a movie. Probably. Your, your brain's already scrubbing that you saw it. This, I'm really happy this for one, you. Th- I, thank you. This one's really aggressively bad. Um, Will. Uh, yeah, it's in my notes here. Okay. Will. Uh, his girlfriend is having an affair with Flava Flav. So just to see that he has a super duper sweet 16, despite being 25, mm-hmm. which admittedly is kind of funny. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. So then you have um, Junie. 
parody of Juno, which was a very big movie at the time. Yep. Another movie completely lost to time. And Juno, the whole thing that they hated about Juno was that Juno was clever. Because yeah. all throughout Juno, Elliot Page's character in Juno was a very clever, quick-witted person. Mm. So the movie takes breaks from the momentum to allow this Juno character to do these hands and then just make a reference to something from like 1953 yeah, <laughs> and completely destroy any sort of pacing that the movie had. And they do that how many times? Would you say like over 40? <laughs> it's a lot and it's very... It's one of those things where it's like, haha, aren't these references overwrought? It's like, you know, the joke is just that you're doing the thing. And yeah. instead of satiring it, you just do it. And then you go, I did comedy. Yep. The party goes on. Yep. Dr. Phil is there. And he is a sexual predator. Yeah, huge piece <laughs> of shit. Uh, in the movie, uh, he's bad too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Carmen Electra shows up and says, I want you to curve the bullet around me. It's one of the only funny jokes in the entire movie. (laughs) He tries to do it once, and he just shoots straight, and it hits Dr. Phil and kills him. And the second time, he slings it, and it curves, and it goes around her head. Like, it, like, curves around her like that. What was that movie called? Wanted. It's not Gun... It was Wanted, right? I keep on thinking it's Gunkata, which is not Gunkata. Um, curves a bullet around her head and then it orbits around her head and then somehow goes straight into her forehead. (laughs) (laughs) Very good psych gag. Um, Absolutely. The world starts ending after it. Um, It was specifically targeting parties where people wore Abercrombie and Fitch and drank uh, Miller Lights, right? Because that was parodying specifically southern california preps at the time yeah which is exactly what you need to do if you want your movie to be an international success (laughs) um all throughout this too like kim kardashian really is in this movie yeah she keeps on popping up into scene and you're just what the fuck are you doing (laughs) yeah she's one of the main character's girlfriends and she is a main character up until a little later in the movie um but yeah, Will wants his girlfriend back who cheated on him with Flava Flav and... And a little person. Yep. And yeah, so then the world starts ending. There's a meteor shower. Uh, it's never, you know, quite explained all the disasters that are happening because it's like there's an earthquake too, I think. The room shakes. Yeah. It's the end of the world. It's not really important what the disaster is. It should be noted they started writing this movie and then shoved the disaster part in later. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, if you, yeah. So this movie, yeah, they basically write the disaster part in afterwards, which makes me wonder what part of this movie did they think was a good enough idea that they could make a whole rest of the movie around it, and it wasn't the disaster part. It had to have been the Alvin and the Chipmunks thing, right? Uh, Oh, Lord, we'll get to that. That's... All right. (laughs) The disgust you have on your face. (laughs) I've never seen you this upset. (laughs) So, oh, right. So, sorry, before, right before the world ends and Sweet 16, there's a whole high school musical number that's very bizarre because it's very sexual. And they're all yeah. talking, they're all like very explicitly stating that they're in high school. Like the yeah, jo- and then the one t- of them's joking about how bad he wants to fuck another one of them after they're like, I'm a child, I'm yeah. a child. Yeah, and like the, the joke is how uncomfortable you are watching it, which I 
guess it technically did accomplish its goal. Yeah, good job. You made me uncomfortable. Yeah, mission accomplished. Yeah, and then Hannah Montana is killed. Yeah, that scene goes on for, I think it's only like five or six minutes, and it feels like it's an hour and a half. Yeah. You can tell that they were really stretching to try to get to that tight 90, and again, they failed. Yeah, I I thought this one was longer, but that's just because of how excruciating it is. It was an hour and 27 minutes long. Yeah, it just dilates Re- Remember, time. the credits are 15 minutes long, too. Also true. <laughs> And then there's a whole se- there's a whole sex in the city thing going on, where they go to fight Juno Juni, and there's a scene. And then what follows is something. So uh, I am a huge fan of horror. I- I've watched some really like terrifying, disgusting horror movies. Um, I've watched something called Inside, which is a movie. It's a French horror movie that involves a woman murdering people with scissors to get after an unborn child inside of a woman she was taking care of in the hospital. I have never been as... That was much more comfortable to watch than what follows in this scene, where Juno says, suck on my baby's foot, where her unborn child comes out (laughs) of the womb and and shoves her... It's her or him its foot inside the person's fighting now is like yeah suck on my placenta that is yeah, the worst suck on my placenta that is the worst <laughs> i've ever felt watching a movie and i actively seek out horror experiences yeah there uh, so i showed this to three other people and epic movie was getting some uh some, some questionable noises out of us this one it felt like every three minutes at this point we had to like stop and be like what the f- like like all the way up to an executive producer approve this um the worst part being the person that she's fighting is a uh one of the meanest uh like transphobic jokes i've seen in a movie probably the meanest yeah it's transphobic joke i've seen in a movie yeah it's completely unnecessary also uh and in the credits when they show the guy who played sarah jessica parker uh it uses his name and then ties his name to his portrayal of Sarah Jessica Parker, which makes me wonder, does he stay awake at night thinking, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> Hope so. Yeah, this is a pretty, this is just a whole vile scene in general. It's, it's all very uncomfortable. And yeah. It's just visceral disgust. Uh, if that's what they were going for, mission accomplished, I guess. So then we got a bunch of series of rapid fire references. Uh, Hancock, which, if you don't remember, is a Will Smith movie uh, about a superpowered individual who's just a kind of a dick. It's it's a pretty yeah. good comedy for the first half, and then the second half becomes a strange mythological story. <laughs> it, it, I, I, saw, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, I saw this movie at the time. It was odd. The first half is pretty funny. Second half isn't as bad as people say, in my opinion. It's just weird. Uh, looper. He becomes a looper. He can travel through yeah. time and space. Uh, he uses this to, once to get beer from the fridge. Basically, the thrust of the plot here, of what exists of the plot, is that his girlfriend is trapped in a museum. His ex-girlfriend, who cheated with Flava Flav, Amy, Will's girlfriend, is trapped in the museum, and they have to go save her. It's him, Kim Kardashian, Calvin. Calvin's the guy's name. And then there's Calvin and Junie. And they're all going to rescue the girlfriend. So they start out, and immediately, Kim Kardashian is killed by a meteor. Blam! No warning, just happens. 
the, the, the meteor had the same amount of charismatic pull as she did. <laughs> it was a fine substitution. And then immediately a woman literally comes out of the sewer named Giselle. Which her whole joke is that she was pimped out. That seems to be her entire arc. Yeah, it's based on the movie Enchanted. Is that is that the plot line? In Enchanted? No. Is <laughs> <laughs> so that a kid's movie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, that's great. No, I don't actually know the plot, plot of Enchanted, but I think the joke is just, oh, she's a princess, and then oh, she does drugs and is a prostitute and things of that nature. Gotcha. That's, that's what I say. I was like, there's no fucking way. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the movie's rated PG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. The, the, joke, <sighs> the joke is just. You know, oh, innocent thing is vulgar. That's but, true. But yeah, her pimp is Prince Edwin, and they challenge Calvin to a dance fight. But then there's a tornado. <laughs> yep, that's the disaster. Literally, just sounds like a seven-year-old making up a story. It's got that. You want to know kind something crazy? Hmm. So we talked about how this movie is just them going from set to set. Mm-hmm. They have an Oscar-winning set designer who designed every set for this movie. <laughs> I'm just going to describe the look on your face right now. It's like I showed you your tombstone with the date that you die on it. <laughs> Genuinely stunned to silence there for a second. I have no idea what the guy's name was, but yeah, he won an Oscar for production set design. Wow, Oscars mean nothing. These are money laundering operations. <laughs> Zell ends up being this like this vehicle for shoving more references down our throats and it felt like a mad tv skit which i found out not only her but ike barinholzer in this movie they were both two mainstays in mad tv so a lot of it felt like those mad tv skits one of them being like a joke about head-on which i don't think anybody remembered (laughs) head-on before now the head-on applied directly to your forehead where she just like starts rubbing it all over her face and the scene just goes on for way too long. <laughs> they just like refuse to edit. Head on, apply directly to the forehead. I, I just, I just did. I said head on, bitch. Apply directly to the forehead. Whatever. Don't cop an attitude, slut. I said apply head on directly to your goddamn forehead. Okay, okay. Happy? Look, you little white trash piece of shit. Head on, motherfucker. Apply directly to your motherfucking forehead. Okay. Yeah, just after the head-on joke that goes nowhere, the t- superheroes appear to try to fight the tornado. Yeah, Iron Man and the Hulk appear. And this is before the MCU was a thing. This is when, just when, right. when it was those two movies. Yeah, and uh, they both get hit by a cow. And that's yep. the joke. That's how they leave frame. Yep, and and Hellboy as well because Hellboy two had just come out. Great movie. Yes. Absolutely. Do you like Hellboy? You I seem do like, like he- somebody who would go apeshit for Hellboy. You are. You've got good read on that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm like you and I are two very similar people. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So then we come to a. Frankly, I've had some nightmares, kind of like this next scene that you referenced earlier. Oh, the Alvin and the Chipmunks. Alvin and the Chipmunks. Which have no reason to be there. None at Um, all. They just kind of pop up. They sing a Christmas song. They sing another song. And then they start singing a metal song where they say, like, uh, the blood of the youth. 
And then they start biting everyone's penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, nothing really seems to stop them. Uh, it, you know, they just kind of keep coming and attacked. But they finally trap them in a trash can after they kill Junie, tragically. And she's still quipping as she's laying there dying. Yep, literally doing the hand <laughs> thing. You can't see yeah. us, but it's essentially like extending your hands out and moving them up and down while you say something clever. And yep, she dies. Yeah. At you know the whole movie, she's been pregnant, like slamming vodka and stuff. So she's not a very sympathetic character. She does a, a head spin on her pregnant stomach as well. Oh yeah, during a dance battle. Yeah, uh, yeah, and after you know the suck on my placenta scene we're all sort of glad to see her go <laughs> they trapped them in the trash can and they i assume suffocated there and then we're finally getting to the museum where will's hot girlfriend works yep right outside we have batman who informs them they have to go to the evacuation buses because everybody will die and the buses leave at 9 p.m another ike Barinholtz character they got him to play, like, eight different characters in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was very hard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They probably did all this in three days. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> yeah, all good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, they get to the museum. They find out that she, uh, his girlfriend, uh, one of their Egyptian statues fell and pierced her to the ground. And instead of just tilting the statue up what they do is they all mercilessly beat her to knock her out and what they say is wow she can really take a hit and at this point i was just like upset yeah just, <laughs> it's like i'm showing this to my friends yeah the joke is just hitting women like that's it that's the entire joke at this point that's what disaster movie was was just a bunch of people hitting women yeah they end up um Returning the Crystal Skull, Indiana Jones style, to the pedestal. Yeah. Which is very funny, given that they were like, oh, we need to go to the uh, the Crystal Skull pedestal or whatever. And there's just, like, a room labeled that in the museum. <laughs> yep. Along the way, they're accosted Night of the Museum style by various figures. That's right, yeah. Uh, one of them being Ike Barinholtz playing Beowulf. Yep. There, uh, and he goes, I am Beowulf! Which was a very short-lived meme, even for that time. So it's yeah, a horrible I had reference. never even heard of it. Yeah, no, it, uh, he said it in the Beowulf movie because it was like that oh. came out shortly after uh, 300. So they were trying to do their own "This Is Sparta" thing, but gotcha. it just sounds really forced in the movie. Yeah, and the whole joke with him is that he's like hanging out with a friend, but it sounds kind of gay. Which mm -hmm. I thought was really funny because the main character, he was he was like, oh, that sounds kind of gay. And he's like, no, no, we're, we're, we're just going to be hanging out together alone on a boat. And he's like, oh, that's gay. But before in the movie, the, she was like, each time that we had sex, I was thinking of other men. And he goes, me too. Yeah. So, like, I don't understand what this joke is. Yeah, well, I... <laughs> I think he just misspoke on that one was the joke, but I thought that was one of the oh, funny, got you. funny bits of the movie. <laughs> I took it as him just being bi. <laughs> I like that interpretation. He's like, you thing. can't be gay. I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> got him. So, and then they're also fought by uh, Kung Fu Panda. Yes. And for some reason, 
the Spice Girls make his appearance, and it gets actually more transphobic. Man, it gets very, very uncomfortable there. But, uh, anyway, Kung Fu Panda kills people with a- kills Calvin with a katana, and Giselle, and they fight Nude Beowulf. Yep. That- that being the joke is that he has a small wiener, and he's naked. Because the whole time the girl's, like, doing, like, the pinch fingers, like, mm, you're so- they have to return the crystal skull to the pedestal, which is across a room. However, both of them choose to try to swing across for no reason, which I admit is kind of funny. With a whip. Uh, That's w- pretty good. I will give them credit there. That's like the one thing I like in the movie. They have to swing across with a whip instead of just walking 10 feet. And Indiana yeah. jo- Jones like breaks his neck. And like It's up to you now. Yeah. Entering and leaving comedy is always funny. They, they effectively put that back. Everything's saved. And they have a wedding, of course. With The Love Guru. Another movie completely lost to time that killed Michael Myers' career. Yeah, this is a very bad movie. I have It also is just crazy racist. (laughs) Didn't we talk about doing it like two years ago on the show? We were like, let's do The Love Guru. (laughs) I think maybe. Somebody did. And then we come to the end where it's, they're all singing a song. And depending on which version you want, the song is a little bit different. So let's let's set, set the stage for why this existed. There was a Jimmy Kimmel bit, which I think he still does, but it was like at the peak of its funny at the time of this movie coming out, where Jimmy Kimmel would end his talk show. And he would say, like, I want to thank all my guests, you know, whoever was the guest that day. You know, like, Questlove, want to thank you for coming on the show. And he would apologize to Matt Damon every single episode. He'd go, and sorry, Matt Damon, we didn't have time for you, we'll get you next time. And he, it was just a thing he started doing. Jimmy Kimmel was dating Sarah Silverman at the time. Sarah Silverman makes a gag video called I'm Fucking Matt Damon. And then they do a song where it's like, I'm fucking Matt Damon. She's fucking Matt Damon. And they dance around a kitchen. And this laid the groundwork for Jimmy Kimmel the next night to do a We Are the World style song about Jimmy Kimmel fucking Ben Affleck. This was probably the most played video on YouTube for like three years after this. It was so incredibly popular. So naturally, Disaster Movie said, everyone's going to remember the We're Fucking Ben Affleck song. So they make We're Dating Matt Damon. And then it ends up being every character in the movie saying that they are dating or fucking another character in the movie. And it's so criminally unfunny. Where like Beowulf is like, and I'm fucking Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. And then Kung Fu Panda goes, and I'm fucking Michael Jackson. And it's that for how long? Five minutes? Six minutes? It felt like eternity. It's... (laughs) Yeah. I always end on a strong note. Yeah, so I think that we should have our own post credit scene. So, um, Andrew, disaster movie. Are you glad that this is the movie that took them down? I think, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here that's, you know, pernicious beyond being dumb. Like, Epic Movie had a lot of problems, mostly with racial stereotypes, which, you know, Yes. You got a lot of the characters just acted like ethnic stereotypes, just without any sort of satirical element to it, just like the portrayal of the stereotype itself. That was common in media then, doesn't make it okay, but this one really feels like it takes some pleasure in like beating up women and 
being extremely transphobic. Yeah, just mean spirited. It's uh, yeah. It's like yeah, because the mean because satire, mean spiritedness and satire is essential, but it's about what you're satirizing. What you're supposed to be satirizing in these movies is the genre, poking fun at the conventions, turning them on their head, looking at the uh, the sorts of traps and tropes that these sorts of things fall into and poke fun at those and make the audience realize something new about their genre. That's what a good parody yeah. does. And it makes you laugh that's like what, it. Yeah, that's like what This Is Spinal Tap was. It was like the music mockumentary. Exactly. Because how many bands put out documentaries about them that were just like these self-serious, like we're actually artists, even though we're in a hair metal band. Exactly. Like, And then This Is Spinal Tap comes out and you just don't see that self-serious dog shit anymore. <laughs> this isn't even like... Uh, emblematic of like what was funny at the time the disaster movie's just cruel yeah because th- yeah they don't direct their energy toward the genre or Hollywood or anything like that it's just like taking the it's taking the elements of those taking those tropes and distilling them down even further that's what it is it's like is it funny when we exaggerate tropes and that's it it stops there it does nothing else with it and as such, when you take tropes that are like already offensive, misogynistic, transphobic, racist, what have you, and amplify those, and you're not doing any sort of commentary on that, you're just like leaving it there, it becomes very, very uncomfortable to watch. It yeah. rids the movie of any humor it could have had. Uh, and ultimately, it's just, it's, it shows why it's hard to make satire. It's not as simple as just reproducing a message and tweaking it a little bit or exaggerating for effect. Turns out you actually got to like your stuff, you satire, in order for it to be good. That's kind of like where, why Verhoeven is like one of the masters of like satirical cinema. Absolutely. In every bit of satire, there you should feel like the person making it loves it. Like Garth Marenghi. Mm-hmm. Like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place is the best satire I've ever seen. Six episode miniseries, phenomenal. Satire's horror writing in a way that is better than any horror satire you'll ever see. But there's like a love there. And this is just shallow, dog shit mean. <laughs> to quote Banshees of Insurin, you used to be nice. Now you know what you are? Not nice. There's a lot of these movies too. And when you do all of those offshoots, and a lot of these are just like cash grabs, you know, and this was too, probably. Yeah. These are oh, all, 100%. These are all Did cash Cloverfield grabs. come out uh, by the time this? Yeah, I think they referenced Cloverfield at the start, just kind of obliquely. Yeah, because Cloverfield was a monumental success. Oh, yeah. That was kind of like one of those, like, resetting the form type movies. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that this would come out just on the coattails of that. Yeah, Cloverfield did great with the viral marketing and stuff. Andrew, I'm not even going to ask you if you recommend these movies. Um, let's let's get to our post credit scene. All right, now we're now we're in the post credit scene. Uh, you are making a uh, podcast about uh, mental health and bettering yourself, yep. which is coming out. Oh, I, I don't want to say the date. Because the date's not set in stone yet, right? Uh, it will be coming out March 1st. 
Oh, it is set in stone. Good. Yep. Uh, it's Very called, good. Yeah, it's called Surviving Humanity. If you want to know more, you can go to survivinghumanity.net. Yeah, we talk about... yeah. Um, the first episodes will be about unethical advertising, but in general, we talk about stuff dealing with mental health, philosophy, psychology, things of that nature. So come check that out if you like that. I've also just started a Medium blog that you can follow as well. That's A. Gilly on Medium. And you can follow my Twitter at TheAndrewGilly. That's G-I-L-L-E-Y. Um, I think that's all the plugs I have. Um, yeah, I, so... I don't want you to undersell your article you wrote on experiencing horror. It's so much fun. Uh, you write about the joy of film in a way that I have tried to talk on this show. This episode's fun because we we just get we get to dick around a little bit and mm-hmm. you know just talk about a movie that like fucking sucks <laughs> or yeah. two of them that are really bad, which is fun to do every now and then. But this, mm-hmm. the whole goal of the show is to talk about like cinema as a form that should be celebrated. Uh, no one likes a guy who knows more than everybody because it's like, no, this was bad, and you needed to know why it was bad. And it's you know like a movie people loved. You you the way you write about film is uh, I don't know. It, you you talk about like the joy of the experience in a way that like makes me always remember that like this we're lucky enough that we live like while this form exists, you know. Yeah. And uh, your horror article is like very emblematic of like. Oh yeah, this is that's really fucking cool that we <laughs> like live during a time when like horror movies are good, and even if like cinema's in a bad state right now, we at least have ready access to when things were going smoothly. Absolutely, that, thank you for your kind words. That means a lot. Yeah, the article's called "Horror and Trauma: Finding Odd Comforts," and yeah, I I do like the piece. I think it gets at the heart of seeing things on screen that help you emotionally process even the worst possible things that you could experience so like much like these movies yeah (laughs) yeah the uh i i think i sent this to you a long time ago but there was an article that i read a long time ago that was talking about horror as a progressive vehicle Mm -hmm. i remember the article and yeah i have been i harp on it a ton and uh yeah it's it's man i could talk about it forever best example of it's texas chainsaw massacre in my opinion an extended metaphor for veganism every single person who dies in that movie dies the way that a factory animal does really cool shit and that's just that's just scratching at the surface so anytime that you hear somebody talk about like oh all horror movies are about trauma now you can scream at them tell them to shut the fuck up (laughs) you're allowed to hit them horror's always been like this yeah it's buffoon it's what what could happen in a horror movie that isn't traumatic. Yeah. Ooh, it's always about family. Well, guess what our foundational years are spent with? Also very true. You motherfucker. Yeah. In the end, <laughs> you know, we're always going to come back and be looking at our own psychologies. Because that, no matter where you go, you're still you. So no matter Absolutely. if you're adventuring into the realms of the horrific or the realms of the fantastical, like in... I don't want to say like an epic movie, really, but <laughs> uh, um, but epic movie or disaster movie, no matter where you're adventuring in those, it's still going to be you there. And yeah. when you're exposed to epic movie and disaster movie, it's not just those terrible movies. It's also all the things you've seen before in the genres that are making up your experience of these terrible movies. And that's, I think, why they feel off. 
because like you said you need love of the genre to have that and these movies just when you're watching them they feel hollow they feel like they're made by demons yeah in about oh man in like 20 years they're gonna like make ai write these movies and then release them for like three dollars on streaming and there'll be like 10,000 of them. That's a really good point. Epic movies just chat GPT writes a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that just occurred to me now. I don't know how it didn't before. Yeah, it's pretty it just references. And that's what the yeah. and that's what chat GPT is. It's just referencing different things together. Yeah. Well, that'll well, enjoy the future. <laughs> yeah, sorry everyone, the forum's dead. Yeah, try Anyways, to uh, watch movies made by people. Yeah, go uh go subscribe to Andrew Gilly on Twitter. Go read his stuff. He's a great writer. And we're going to get to post-credit scene number two. Hey, this is the part where we get kind of random. So, uh... All right. Ooh, my, my penis. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> right, post-credit scene number three. We get serious. My penis. <laughs> and then uh, now we play the for real credits. Thank you for coming on, Andrew. It's going to be a pain to edit in the fucking sound for the projector. <laughs> this is wonderful. Avoid both of these movies with your entire being. Please, like, don't think it's going to be so bad it's good or you're going to have a good time. No. You won't, I promise. It's so bad it's bad. Yeah, they aged horribly. <laughs> they were terrible at the time and they aged even worse. Don't do it. Yeah. Please save yourself. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, everyone. See you later. Fucking Hancock and a fucking Beowulf.